listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie, and I'm your hostess, Cherie Darien. And today, just like every Thursday, Savannah, I hope you are having a terrific day, and I am bringing to you another one of my most special guests, the best of the best in radio and life. <laughs> I think she will agree. But before I jump into that, let me jump into this and remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the following program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its license holder, or its staff. And with that being said, today we have a phenomenal guest on the line. It is Miss Elizabeth Clamor. Clamon, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I put an R on your end. Elizabeth, are you there with us? I am here with us, and don't worry about it. Everybody pronounces it different. <laughs> I do that. Like, I can really butcher someone's name, and I don't know what it is. It's just that, you know, I guess we all fall short of something, and I don't know why. I speak to people all day, every day, and I love their journey. So that's why I reached out to you today, um, Elizabeth, to hear your story and the gift of uh, just who you are. We want to share your story, obviously, and serve the audience here in Savannah and those that will listen to this replay play online. Um, so, Elizabeth, give me the opportunity to just roll out the red carpet for you in a moment, and then we're going to get started with today's interview. How does that sound? Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. So, we have Elizabeth M. Clamon, who studied holistic nutrition and naturopathic medicine at Clayton College of Health. She studied psychology at Louisiana Baptist University, and she is the founder and COO of the Clamon Group LLC, which encompasses fiercely successful business speaking and coaching, as well as Relentless Hearts Ministries Women Conferences, and Elizabeth Clamon, speaker. As a professional speaker, international best-selling author of Beauty Rising from Brokenness, Journey Through Childhood Trauma to Chronic Illness into Healing, and coach, she has worked with clients to achieve more faster in business. She has a unique perspective when she speaks. Not only does she share from her 22 years of experience in the health and wellness field, but also from her own experience as a chronic pain patient, military spouse, and survivor of childhood trauma, and being disabled and bedridden, check this, for 12 years by an auto accident. Well, if that was ever a story of a comeback story or a story of second chances, I don't know what is, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this platform here of Courageous Conversations with Shereen Elizabeth. Do you go by Liz? No, I go by the whole thing, Elizabeth. My grandmother was insistent that it be Elizabeth. And so I just don't even hear anything else. Well, you know what? I'm so thankful that I asked the question. <laughs> A lot of people don't, and I'm glad that you did. Yep. See, never make assumptions. So Elizabeth, it is. You said, or as I just read, you were bedridden, disabled and bedridden for 12 years by an accident. Why don't you start there? Because I'm just curious. Um, my book is Testimony of Second Chance, and my favorite scripture is uh, 
we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. So it sounds to me, as well as our audience, that you truly did live this story of a second chance. What happened? How were you involved in uh, an accident that led to you being both disabled and bedridden for 12 long years? I'm actually kind of starting to think it's more like a cat for me. It's more like nine lives. You know, instead of second chance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. Getting third and fourth. And I just keep getting back up. I mean, I don't know. After a while, you'd think I'd wise up and stay down. <laughs> can't do no, it. It's not, can't do it. It's like you have a, a purpose to be here. And obviously, you have a purpose to be on the show today. But enlighten us, if you will, about that uh, particular time in your life. That um, accident, we were actually living in Michigan at the time, and I had just gone through the the story that I tell in Beauty Rising from Brokenness, get, getting through my childhood trauma and rebuilding myself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I had just recovered from that and having chronic illness that was chart that was triggered by that um childhood trauma and a lot of people don't realize that and um and so I was back on my feet and feeling better I had been through about three years of intense recovery and I uh, decided that I wanted to we were going to go on a vacation for a family reunion with my husband and his family and I decided I wanted to go home to Louisiana for a, a little while and visit you know sometimes when you go through big events in your life or big, especially if they're traumatic, sometimes you just look around and you go, I just want to get out of here. I just want to yeah. see something different. I want to see somebody different. I want to do something different and I want to eat some Cajun food that I didn't cook. Uh -huh. <laughs> I hear you. Yes, for sure. So being stationed in Michigan at the time, um, I decided that I was going to take a trip home. And I, so I loaded up my two younger children. My oldest was um, 18, almost 18. And she was working and um, going to college part-time. And so I took the two younger ones and we loaded up the car and we headed to Louisiana. And I drove to Louisiana, visited with our family and our friends. And we had an absolute wonderful time. And then on the way back, we met my husband and his parents and his sisters and their families in Kentucky for um, a mini family reunion. Those of us with campers brought our campers and others stayed in cabins. And we spent a long weekend there with them. And we got up on Friday morning, headed back to Michigan. And we got about two or three hours into the drive, had a blowout on our camper. So my husband fixed the tire. We got back on the road and we knew the tires were all about the same age. So we, um, we stayed on that. Um, outside right-hand lane it, if one of the tires, other tires blew so we knew we could get off. And we were about six miles outside of the Michigan line and signs started saying construction at the Michigan, starting at the Michigan line. And if you know anybody, if, if anybody out there is listening to this online that's from Michigan, you know there are two seasons, construction and winter. And uh -huh. we were in the midst of construction season. <laughs> And all of the construction started just as we got to the line and the signs were saying for semi trucks to get into the left hand lane and all other vehicles right in the right hand lane because that lane was the shoulder actually because the construction was in the middle of the interstate. Well, the semi truck in front of us 
didn't, wasn't obeying the signs and didn't get over. And my husband didn't feel like he wanted to attempt to go around him with the construction and everything. So we stayed behind him and we got six miles into Michigan and we got to this really decorative bridge that had an archway and he didn't, the truck driver didn't think that he could clear it from that shoulder lane of the road and he locked his brakes up. And anybody that's out there listening that knows anything about pulling a camper, you Mm -hmm. cannot stop a camper on a dime. And so my husband, I had gotten a call from my mother-in-law and turned around to answer a question. My 11-year-old son was in the back seat and I was answering his question. When out of the corner of my eye, I saw my husband stomp on both, on the brake with both feet. And my head thought, you can't stop the camper like that. And I didn't even get fully turned around before we made impact with the back of the semi truck. Oh wow! And we were doing about probably 55 or so miles an hour because he was empty. And so he stopped instantly when he hit 18 wheels, have 18 brakes. And we were pulling probably an 8,000 pound camper fully loaded. Wow. And we hit the semi truck. The camper hit the back of the Suburban. Then our daughters, who were um, two weeks from turning 18 and a month from turning 16, were driving my husband's truck. They hit the camper, and the camper hit us again. Oh, wow. So in the matter of probably a minute to a minute and a half, we had three impacts. And our Suburban was underneath the back of the semi-truck, the back bumper, and the camper was into the back of the Suburban. And then our daughters, the front of the truck was crushed in. Our daughters were able to get out, but we were not able to open any of the doors or get out of the camper. So my husband's military training kicked in and he jumped out, uh, jumped in the back seat, kicked the window out, pulled our son out and then pulled, then came back and had to crawl back in and instruct me how to unbuckle the seatbelt and climb between the seats and get out. So I was in such a state of shock. I didn't know where I was or what was going on. I was just completely disoriented. And once he pulled me out of the car, got me to the side of the road where my kids were, mother mode kicked in and I just started examining them to make sure that they were all all right. And I'm happy to say that all of my husband and my kids all walked away with just minor cuts and scrapes and bruises. I spent five days on the cardiac ward. I had a broken sternum. I had a ruptured disc in my low back. I had two herniated discs in my neck, a severe whiplash that I could not even lift my head or raise my arms. And I had damage to both my knees. So I got home and um, at the ripe old age of 38, I was 100% disabled, completely Um, dependent on my family to take care of me. My husband had to bathe me, wash my hair, fix my hair, which is not an easy thing to do. (laughs) And my, um, my, my daughters and my son really rallied and really became caretakers and helped with the household and everything. And I'm just very blessed to have a family I have. And I went through, um, seven surgeries. Um, I was, my back, the disc that was ruptured had compressed and damaged nerves in my back. And the physician told my husband when he came, 
when I came out of surgery, if I had not had that fixed, I would have been wheelchair bound within six months because of the damage up to the nerves in my mm-hmm. low back. And um, so I, you know, I, I thought for a long time in that position that I was, that that was just the way that my life was going to be. And I remember vividly, my husband and my son would lay hands and pray for me every night. And I would, and they would always pray for my healing. And I would say, guys, I appreciate it. And I believe God can do it, but I just don't think he's going to. Mm-hmm. And I continued to go through the process of doctor after doctor and surgery after surgery and pain pills. At one point I was on 120 Percocets. I was on 30 dilatids for breakthrough pain a month. Wow. And I mean, other than all the injuries and the pain that I was suffering, that's just enough to make you a zombie. Yes. And so I went into the hospital to have another surgery. And when I came out of that surgery, they could not control my pain. And my husband refused to take me home because the pain was so bad. And I was going into shock from the pain, teeth chattering, crying, shaking. And I just had this moment of clarity and I looked at my husband and I said, I am done. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find another way. I cannot live like this anymore. And I went home and I made a plan to wean myself off of all that medication. I put all of my naturopathic and holistic education to use and um, made a plan to wean myself off of the medication, to cleanse my body, to heal myself, to, to get on the right foods. And, and people ask me now, they're like, you stand on a stage and you deliver speeches for an hour and you were in the bed for 12 years. How do you get from there to here? And I said, I got out of bed and I sat in the chair for, for 15 minutes and I laid back down. And then I sat in the chair for 30 minutes and then I stood for, for 15 minutes. And I just worked back slowly. I believe God can reach down and heal you. I believe I have no doubt in my mind, but he wanted me to work through it. And he wanted to walk me through that healing so that I could fulfill my purpose, which is is helping other women become unstoppable powerhouses. And when they think they're facing insurmountable odds, whatever those odds Mm -hmm. are, that they can overcome them. They can overcome because it was just as much the belief in my head that God wasn't going to heal me that kept me in the bed as it was the physical ailments. And once my mindset changed, then I was able to start making changes that changed my life. And God, wow. wow. I got to interrupt you there because I, I was, uh, I think, mesmerized by the story. So I really didn't interrupt you and just allowed you to just pour out. Uh, but I did take notes. And one word just keeps ringing through this particular conversation, and that's through. And I didn't know that that was going to be the theme of today's show. And before we started uh, went live, I told you I like a very organic, natural conversation and it is just that a conversation that I don't like the scripts but I do hear the word through resonating throughout this conversation you said you went through and then you continued to go through 
that he wanted you to walk through. I love that through just is just all through out this conversation. And I think that's what we're serving our audience today. Because you said something very clear and very powerful that your son and your husband laid hands on you and they prayed. Yes. And you said to them that you didn't believe that God was going to do it that way. You know, like he wasn't going to heal you. And then you made a decision. Right. That you were going to wean yourself off of the, all of the medication. And then obviously people wanted to know, well, what, what was the practical steps that you took to do that? And you said you got up and it was like, however long, be it 15, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever increments that you took to just get out of bed and sit up and then do one more thing and then something else. What I heard out was willpower. You, you said the very most, the most powerful thing I think out of all was mindset change. Yes. You, you made a decision that, okay, this isn't changing. And if I want it to change, that I have to partner with God to make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what, what I, you know, that's exactly what it was. And, you know, I heard Joyce Meyer say one time, the only way out is through. And mm -hmm. having gone through journey and beauty rising from brokenness and having to walk back through those childhood traumas to heal them. And then, ha and then having gone through this accident and I'm in the process of writing the book about that and that journey. And it, it comes right. up after beauty rising from brokenness. It'll hopefully be out this fall. Um, and, and everything that we've been through in life serve two purposes. They serve to make us stronger and more, more reliant on God. And they serve for us to help somebody else who's going through something mm -hmm. that needs us yeah. for us to give a reach out a hand and help them. And so that I agree. Yeah. And, I, you know, and there's so many other things, you know, um, things that I saw in my kids that I can look back now and see, but I certainly couldn't see it when I was going through it. All I was doing was getting from one minute to the next. It doesn't become clear until afterwards. You know, I would say in my own dark places that I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it seems like I would never, I could never get out. But once you are out, it's like, wow, like, like, when did that happen? You know, like, when did I actually transition? And it takes reflecting, I think, back on what you've actually gone through to see when the pivot moment came. Yes. You know, and you know yours very, very clearly. And I agree, agree 100% that it is for the purpose of becoming stronger, but not stronger in the sense that we, and, you know, most people think about being strong because I hear it all the time, especially in our women's empowerment group, you know, be strong, be strong, be strong. Mm -hmm. But the way God defines strength is totally different than humans, you know? Exactly. And so you said more reliant on God. Yes. That is strength when you can totally release, let go, and allow God to be God in your life. Like, take, you don't have control of the situation anymore. Right. But you exercise your own faith and belief. But you're acting, because he said faith without works is dead. But you're doing right. something. But at, at the results, it's not basically performance driven. It's really dependent on him. Because when we're weak, that's when we're, he is strong the most. And so, just knowing that, 
But then you also said it's to help someone else. And you know what, Elizabeth, that's why I created this platform because the the word um, that stood out to me was overcome. We're overcomers, you know, but it's not just for us. Our journeys are not just to be kept to ourselves. It is so that we can reach back. Uh, or, and that reaching is not always extending your hand, it's lifting your voice. And that's what we're doing here in Courageous Conversations with Cherie. We're being open, honest, and unashamed about our own truth. And then sharing that in hopes of empowering someone else to stand in theirs. That's the whole purpose of this platform. Wow. It's the, it's the purpose of everything we go through because, and that's yeah. what I, I tell, I told my husband, you know, and, and I work, work so hard to build my platform and to get on stages and speak and to um, minister and to coach. And I work so hard at that because I, 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 you know, I just can't let it be for naught. I've been through yeah. too much. I've learned too Not much. That. That yeah, I have definitely. to give it away. I can't just sit on it and, and just say, okay, well, you know, this is what happened. This is, it's done. I have to be able to get out there and tell other women, you can do it. No matter what yeah. it is. If it's yeah. divorce, if it's the loss of a child, if it's financial issues, whatever it is, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You just have to, I, my, my big thing is make a plan, write it down and work the plan. And that's what I did. Yeah. And when God comes in and he wants to shift that plan, it's okay. Yes. We would have to remain flexible too. You know, okay, ultimately this is, this is what I know. Like my small brain, this is what I know, but we're talking about a a huge God. Like there is even a limit to him. He's unlimited. So you can change this plan and be okay with that. You know, that he can change that plan at any time. Anytime. I love the quote that you shared by Joyce Myers that the only way out is through. But I want I want to, uh, you to unpack that a little bit more because that dark place can be very, very scary too. Sometimes, um, although that light is there, sometimes we forget to turn it on. It's like yeah. being in a dark room and the light switch is there, but you're scared to move and walk over to the switch and turn it on. Yes. I think we have to make a, a conscious effort to actually do something in the midst of the pain, of the trauma, when those triggers are there, uh, when we're hard pressed, when we're going through trials and tribulation. But yep. if we go into that dark place to, to face the scary places, what would you say to someone uh, who may be listening today that is in a dark place, but is paralyzed by that? Like they're not moved, they're stuck and they're afraid of actually moving forward. I would say that you have to put effort in. And, and that is another thing that I did by reading my Bible and praying and journaling and journaling is huge. I highly recommend it for anybody. It is very, it disempowers those emotions and those thoughts when you put them on paper. It takes them out of you and out of feeling and you can see it on paper and it's so healing. And so I am, I'm big, big on writing um, and I'm big on writing scriptures. My son still loves to tell people, yes, we couldn't even open the doorknob without a scripture on a five by seven card being taped to the doorknob. And I, 
<laughs> you know, son, that wasn't for you. That was for me. But if I got the word in you too, then all the better. So, okay. Yes. <laughs> amen. Exactly. You know, for but sure. I needed to, I needed to change the lies because that was what it is. That's what I went through in beauty rising from brokenness was believing the lies that the, that the devil had told me all my life yeah. through other people. And I had to, and, and I was believing the lies again when I was stuck in bed and I had doctors tell me, you just have to live this way. And I said, you don't get to tell me that. That's not your job. You right. don't get to tell me I have to live from bed. You, I, so, I, I get to choose. God gave me a choice exactly. and God exactly. designs the plan, not you. Right. Not right. You know, so I would write scriptures on five by seven cards and I would put them on the mirror and oh, I have them all over my office right now in my purse, on the refrigerator, in front of the sink. And I was reprogramming my brain to remember the truth instead of believe the lies. And mm -hmm. Satan tells you, you can't, I, you know, I just, I don't believe God's gonna, gonna, gonna heal me of this. That's a lie. I mean, God might heal you and he might not. And he might ask you to walk through the healing. And he might ask you to, um, to do all, all kinds of a number of things. And you have to blot the enemy out and say, no, that's a lie. Don't yeah. tell me. God can't. I know. I remember my grandmother, I, she used to say all the time, can't never will. And <laughs> I think I can't, I can't, you never will. And yeah. so I just started saying, you know, I can do all things through Christ. Yes. That's the truth. I can't do it. It's not the truth. I can do it. And it's not in my strength. It's in his strength. And when I am, right. he is strong. When I, when exactly. I'm at my weakness, my weakest, his strength is what's showing. And he's the one that got me through. And I had to believe, I had to reprogram, it's again, about the battlefield of the mind. Your mind is a battlefield. And the enemy is, is talking to you all the time, telling you. And it's, sometimes it's not just the enemy. Sometimes, you know, there's a whole committee up there. You know, like my mother was the head of the committee in my head. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> telling me uh -huh. all the yeah. things I couldn't do. And then, you know, then yeah. you whatever the teacher said or whatever the the pastor said or whatever, you know, your best friend said, and there's that whole committee up there and you have to tell them, you know what, all of you, all of you shut up because there's a committee <laughs> one in my head and that's God. Yes. And, and his truth and whatever else is, you know, is just a lie. You know, if it doesn't line up with his word, it's a lie. So you have to. It takes courage. Don't you think to, to, be able to silence that negative chatter that's in there and to take the truth of God word, uh, word like you posted them on those uh, index cards. Yes. But put that in the forefront of your mind and inside your spirit too. Right, exactly. And, you know, you have to, I mean, really, you have to change your mind. And for me, it took what I call defining moments. Yes, that yes. Sitting there and going into shock was a defining moment. And I had a choice. I was at a crossroads and I could choose. And I chose, I'm not going to live like this anymore. And it was the same. You thing. have to change your own mind. I right. thought that was brilliant. I just wanted yes. to say that. You it, have 
change your own mind. It is a mindset shift. You have to shift gears in your head and say, I'm not going, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Or, you know, and for me now, affirmations are huge. Mm-hmm. And I have affirmations written all, all over the house. I have affirmations on my phone. And I say my affirmations every day. I am able. I am courageous. I am unstoppable. And yeah. I, I say those things to me. I am successful. Um, yeah. I say those things because I need to convince myself and I say them and I say them out loud because anybody who's listening of this realm or, you know, we don't battle against powers and principalities of this world. It's the spiritual world that we're battling against. So they can hear that. And I'm saying, you know, that's, I am a child of God. I am not this, you know, I am not a disabled person laying in bed. That's not who I am. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do, whatever it takes to get up, you know, and, you know, I I hear a lot of your story um, and the work that you've done. Obviously you're very passionate about, you've taken your own personal journey and incorporated in the way you serve um, others. So with that being said, I want to know what exactly, why don't you share with our audience exactly what do you do now uh, with your story? Because we're talking about paying it for what do you do and who do you serve? My absolute favorite thing to do, the thing that I love above all other things, is the thing that 60% of Americans say they would rather die than do, and that is to get on a stage and speak. I love it. I love connecting with an audience. I love talking with an audience. I, I tell people that, you know, the Bible says we're, we're, um, we're all the body of Christ and, you know, the hands and the feet. I tell people I must be the mouth because that's what I you know it's a thing I used to get in trouble for in school so you know look back on those things if you don't know what your purpose is look back to what you got in trouble for that might be (laughs) (laughs) that might give you a clue I love it that was your, you know, that's your who, natural, that's your gifting, right? Right, exactly. Because when you know those things are coming naturally to a child, and they're just coming out, and you haven't had a chance for the world to tell you, no, you don't need to do that. I used to get set yeah. in the hall all the time for talking. Well, that's because God made me to talk. <laughs> wow, that's so, pretty cool. You know, so that's that's what I do. I serve um, mostly women, a few good men but mostly women. And I I love to go out and speak. Um, I speak at corporations. I speak a lot on stress management and I'm, I'm somewhat of a humorist. I like, I like to laugh and I like to make people laugh. So we go, when we talk about uh, interesting ways to overcome stress in the workplace, I love to do women's conferences and Christian conferences, especially. I have one coming up in March in Elk River, West Virginia, a women's conference I'm speaking at. And uh, I have another one coming up in um, the late, in late March in Atlanta. And, um, you know, where I, the people that I serve and the people that um, mostly I talk, I, I talk to and communicate with are, are women generally 30 and above. Because I don't know um, if you've experienced this, but there's something about our 30s 
where it mm-hmm. just kind of all hits us. Yeah. And we go, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Know? How did I get here? And the way, the way I tell people, it's like, for me, it's, it was like I was holding a beach ball under the water. And yeah. up until my 30s, I was able to keep it under there and keep it hidden and be quote unquote normal, which is really just yeah. sitting yeah, on the yeah. washing machine. There's really uh-huh. no normal. And then in my 30s, that ball started popping up and I didn't have the strength to keep pushing it down. And then one day I woke up and it was just there. It all was floating on top of the water for the whole world to see. And yeah, yeah. I had to acknowledge it. And that's one thing you've got to acknowledge it. Okay. This is where I'm at. What did I do to contribute to where I'm at? And what am I going to do to help myself get out of where I'm at? So that's what I coach. I do a lot of coaching with, with mostly women. I do group coaching and individual coaching and we walk through traumas and our traumas in life and how they affect us. And we do a lot of writing exercises and a lot of talking through those traumas. And then how is that trauma affecting me today? Even if it happened when I was five and I'm mm-hmm. 50, how is that still affecting me? Because people don't realize that those traumas, whether they be physical traumas like my auto accident or whether they mm-hmm. be emotional and, um, and um, spiritual traumas that I got as a child, that those affect you and they affect your health. And you can be suffering from all kinds of chronic illnesses that are really triggered by those traumas that you never dealt with. So we walk through and we deal with a lot of trauma. And we figure out what the trauma was. We tell our story. And then how is that trauma making me behave today? How am, and how can I change that script, change that mindset? And a good example of that is when I was a teenager, I used to love, love, love to sing. To, I still love mm-hmm. to sing. I love to sing to the radio in the car. And I was driving to school. A friend of mine was with me and she's, and I was, I was just thinking, and I said, you know, I think I want to be a country Western singer <laughs> when I'm grown. And she said, I think you need to get another dream. And do you know that one little phrase that she probably never, ever remembers even saying right. from singing for 30 years? Yes, that's how, that is how it, it's like a seed. I yes. I talk about that often. I am a daddy's girl. And I mean, when I tell you, like if my father would walk into the room and I say this often, I become 12 years old all over again. But I realized it was at 12 that I wanted a pair of slacks in a department store. We were uh, in uh, on a summer vacation with my, ve- my favorite uh, cousin and we're in a department store and I asked for a pair of slacks and he said no do you not know that that one no just turned my world that 12 year old girl's world upside down as a seat of rejection mm-hmm. and I carried it and it was like oh my god I didn't realize something as simple as that so you're absolutely right those simple little things and he didn't either he didn't realize what he had done and I'm sure he had good reason for doing it, but I right. carried that. That thing didn't produce a harvest until much later, and it was bad. Yes. Really bad. Yes. 
And, you know, I did, I can't, I, I would not sing, even though I love it. And my husband for years would go, you have a beautiful voice. You have a beautiful voice. But what she said identified with a negative self image that I already had. Right, so the exactly. negativity was easier to believe. Yeah. It was easier because that related with what I already believed in my head. And I said, so that self work. That self-awareness and that self-personal de development work is is essential exactly. if you want to come out of the dark, if you want to live your best life. Yes, and I think that's probably why I kept telling my husband and my son, God's probably not going to heal me because I, pro I probably went back to that child and said, well, you know, I'm not worthy of being healed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worthy of being able to get up out, out of this bed. You know, I'm, you know, I don't deserve that. I know God but, can. I know God can do it, but yeah, I, I'm not I, worthy of it. Because I it was, wonder what what was it? Do you recall like the moment when you had that pivotal shift where you just decided that no, I'm not doing this. I'm getting up. Was it because of all of the pain pills? What was, happened? Do you it was off? just when I went when I was in the hospital and I was going into shock. And I realized that the reason that they could not control my pain, I'd already blown five IVs. The IV medication was not working and my body was going into shock. And I just realized they can't control my pain because of all the pain medication I'm on. And serve this audience with that from that point of view, because you know it so personally and intimately that moment. That was huge for you. I want you to serve our audience. Someone that's listening and that will listen to this uh, broadcast, you said it was in the moment when you realized that they could not control your pain anymore. And I want you to shift the conversation and put that spotlight on those that are listening and, and really ministered from the point where their lives will not change because they may be looking to someone else outside of them to control the pain that's going on within them. Or, some, or something else. Not or something. Barely someone else, but something else. And I was relying on that pain medication to get me through the days to numb me, not just numb the physical pain, but to numb the emotional distress that I felt, to numb how horrible I felt because I felt like I was a burden to my family because I felt like that I was um, in some way harming them. And of course that accident and those injuries were out of my control. That's why we call it an accident. And there are things that are out of our control, but what was in my control was how I dealt with it. And I dealt with it by just doing what the doctor said and here's another pill and here's another pill and well, we'll do this other surgery and we'll do this other surgery. And I finally realized that, you know what, I'm, I'm done with, with listening to them. They're not making me better. They're just keeping me stuck. And mm -hmm. I have to make a decision right now. And I just looked at my husband and it's not the first time that I, I have looked at my husband or looked at myself and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done. And it's when you get to that point where I was fed up, I was just fed up with the pain. I was fed up with being in bed. I was fed up with not being the mother I wanted to be, the wife I wanted to be, not fulfilling my purpose, which God called me 
to speak and to teach in 2002. And it was clearly a call and I knew it. And, but I was choosing to listen to the doctors who were saying, well, here, just take this pill. Well, here, just take this. And so if you're going through a, a difficult, dark, dark, dark time in your life, sit down. I, I mean, I really, really want to encourage you to sit down and write down what it is and just write. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about punctuation. This is just for you. Write it down. Get it all out. Then read it back and figure out what is it that you're allowing to keep you stuck where you're at. And then write, get you a red marker and write over that done in a red mm -hmm. marker. Mm -hmm. I'm done with this thing. If, if these pills are what's keeping me stuck, then I'm done with these pills. If this person is what's keeping me stuck, I'm done with this person. And that doesn't mean you have to be mean or hateful or, or whatever. You just need to take control and say, you know what? I'm in the driver's seat. I, I'm going to do this, and, and I'm, and, but I'm going to be done with letting anybody else tell me how to do it or tell me what I can and can't do. I'm, I'm Cajun. I was born and raised in Louisiana. I'm extremely <laughs> stubborn. So when I make up my mind, my husband knows that phrase very well. I'm done. He knows uh -huh. it's over. It's, it's not, it's not going any further. It's over. If she's done, it's done. She's just not, I'm just stubborn. And so you have to decide that, you know, they're not, I'm not going to let them get, be able to control me anymore. And I'm not going to believe the lies anymore. So you just write done over that. And if you need to write done on it every day, for three times a day, for six months, just keep doing it and pray over it and say, God, I want to be done with this. God, this, yeah. this is holding me down and I want to be done with this. And I need you to show me how to get out of this because I don't want to be here because I can't do what I was put here on this earth to serve other people and to do what God's called me to do as long as I let these pills keep controlling me. As long as I let these doctors keep telling me what I can and can't do, as long as I let this person, and it's what you let, it's what you believe, it's what you think, and you have to be able, there's something about seeing it and seeing it written down. And then mm -hmm. literally, and I'm telling you, I've done this time and time again, taking that red pen and writing done just yeah. being done and you make a decision and, and then you pray about it and you ask God to show you how to change it. And for me at that point in time, when I got home and I got over that surgery, when I recovered from that surgery, I knew that, you know, being on that many pills, you don't just stop taking them. I mean, that is, I mean, that will put you in the hospital in bad shape really fast. So yeah. I just felt like God was saying, cut it in half. So I cut a pill in half and I wrote on a calendar every day. I took three and a half pills today and I went for one month. And then the next month I threw, I cut another half and I wrote down on a calendar, three pills every day, all the way down until I got down to where I was on no pills anymore. The same way I got out of bed, I got out of bed for 30 minutes and I laid back down. 
and you know the same way you know people i don't know if you've heard the saying how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time one bite at a time one bite at a time exactly yeah. so how do you get out of the situation you're in right now and what's keeping you bound and and tied down one step at a time that's so good i love that elizabeth i just want to recap some things that you've said uh take control by making a decision i just want to you know just recap some very practical things that you can do another question is how are you dealing with it and i am emphasizing it you know what your it is um yes. right whatever it, it is down in red and then take a red pen write the word done over it that's you taking control of the situation by making a decision just getting that red pen first of all writing down whatever your it is what you're dealing with and then also having a red pen and writing the word done yes um, but you have to ask yourself a question do you want to be where you are do you want to continue to be where you are do you want your life to continue to be what it is and i love this part it's okay be a little cajun <laughs> <laughs> that's right be a little cajun be a little stubborn yes you know? be a little stubborn and be make a, a decision be done just be done just be done. And, you know, I, I had to do that. And I talk about that in my book too. I had to do that with my family. I had to say, I'm done with y'all not treating me the way that you should. You're not, I'm, I'm 30 years old and you're still abusing me. And, and that's not okay. And I had to have enough value in myself to say, and, you know, really, if I'm being really, really honest, when it comes right down to it, it was when they started perpetuating it on the next generation, which was my children. And, you know, as a mother, <laughs> we become that mother bear. Uh, yes. My babies. You can beat right. me up all day long, but not my babies. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's when I made the decision for that and said, that's it. I'm, I'm, you know, y'all are not going to treat me this way anymore. And I, I confronted them and it, and went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and to the point that, they wouldn't acknowledge that they were mistreating me. They could not move past their level of, of denial and the trauma that they had been through that was causing them to behave the way they were. And I finally had to get to a point where I said, you know, if you guys aren't going to treat me better and we're not, you know, I can't keep walking in a relationship with you. I just can't. I love you. I pray for them every day but I just cannot let them continue to mistreat me and mistreat my children. And my husband actually posted a meme on Facebook the other day and I thought it was so perfect. He goes, you know, the um, generational um, abuse in my family, ran, it ran in my family until it ran into me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's going back to our conversation before we started recording about your nine lives. <laughs> right. Exactly. We tried to take you out. Yes. However, however I serve a bigger God. You the wrong one this time, right? Yes, exactly. And it, and, you know, it kept running until it ran into me. And, yes. and then when it came down to my children and, and, they were putting my children in an unsafe situation. I said, right. no, I said, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm done. 
And I, but it takes courage. I, I, you know, I really, really, really don't want to minimize that. It takes guts, man. It takes guts to say no. It takes guts to uh, challenge the status quo, push the envelope, you know, just be stubborn. Yeah. Like, that's not happening. Not on my watch. It's not. Right. And to value yourself, because you, you touched on very, very briefly about your own work. Um, and getting to the point where, you know, I don't deserve this foolishness, whatever, whatever it is that you don't. And you don't continue to perpetuate the same or even enable the same type of behavior to continue over and over and over. You're right. It's like it becomes a generational curse or something and it, it has to end. I yeah. know I've had to walk some lonely days um, because of some choices that I've made, but I'm I, and, you know, I wanted to shift the conversation. We're, we're down to the, like the last uh, 10, 11 minutes in today's show, Elizabeth. But I wanted to shift it and really tell them what it feels like once you do come out of it. After oh. you've gone through the hard work and took those itty bitty tiny steps. But where you are today, how refreshing is it? It is just the most amazing feeling to once you come through it. And I'm back, we're back to through. Once you come through it, and for me, it was not just coming through it because coming, going through the process to come out of all of, all of that, uh, all of those things that I've been through, all those traumas and the one that I'm going through now, even um, it took, once I came through it, going through coming out of it was just like being in it. You kind of don't realize how much time is passing and you kind yeah. of acknowledge it and then you sit down and for me, then I sat down and I started looking back and, and really I started writing and I'm not a writer. I, I was the, the person who took five maths in high school, even though you only had to have three because I really loved math and I never saw myself right. as a writer. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I say, I tell my clients and I'm tell your audience as well, just write it. Don't worry about punctuation, you know, because I was still writing in the mode of pleasing the teacher in high school and I didn't need to write right. in that mode anymore. I needed to write because I was getting stuff out of my chest. And then uh -huh. once I was writing it and then once I, I could see it and then I could go, oh, you know what? You know, I'm not there anymore. I'm, I don't, I don't feel this way anymore. I don't think this way anymore. I don't do this. It is so, such a relief. I mean, it's just like the weight of the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. That's it. And yeah. you can breathe. You can, it's like you can take, I, I'm, I'm an asthmatic. And it's like being able to take a breath after having had a bad asthma attack and going, this is what it feels uh -huh. like to breathe. Uh -huh. Yeah. This is what it feels like to be free of that. And it's just, I mean, you feel like you're walking on air. Yes. Because the burden yes. is just lifted and you're like, I, I feel so free. And, mm -hmm. and part of that for me was looking at my children too and being able to look back. This accident was 15 years ago in 2005. Now I can look back and I could, you know, all those things that I felt as a mother, you know, oh, you know, I'm damaging my children. They're having to take care of their mother. They're going to resent me. They're going to, you know, and now I can look back and I can say, you know what? My son at 11 was so angry and he didn't understand, but what he, he, did was he started just begging 
to take music lessons. So we gave him music lessons thinking, oh, you know, guitar lessons, and we're thinking that'll be, you know, a month and he'll be done. He poured himself into that, and that's how he healed from that accident and from my injuries and being so angry. My mother at 16 was so shy, so painfully, painfully shy, and had always been, and she was able to step up and grow up and become a confident young woman that she might not have been, those things might not have happened had it not been for those circumstances. So you can always look back and find the good. It's really yes. to find the bad, but you've got to look back and look for the good. You know? uh, and my favorite verse is, Oh, Romans that's so good. Yeah. You know, and my favorite, favorite verse is Romans eight twenty eight. All good things where God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That says all things, not good things, not bad things, not hard things, not easy things, all things. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And two things I knew, I knew I loved the Lord. I was saved at five years old. My grandmother led me to the Lord. I knew I loved the Lord. And I knew mm-hmm. that we had a calling and we all have a calling. I don't care if you're, if you're 10 or if you're 80, you have a calling. If you woke up this morning and you were breathing, you have a calling. God has a purpose for you to be here and you need to be about finding out what it is God wants you to do. Because wow, that that's is so why good. you're still here. That's yeah, what that's everybody good. has a purpose. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes, Every absolutely. single soul has a purpose. Yes. And, and it's easy to see the bad. You have to look for the good. It takes effort. And ultimately, all things. The, yeah, easy, all yeah, things. The, the bad things are easy to see. That's easy. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the good things you have to look for. You know, you have to, you have to hunt for them. It's like a treasure hunt. You know, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't, they don't just, you know, set it out there in the middle of, of the, the room or drop it in your lap. you got to look for it. It's, it's a treasure yeah. hunt. Yeah. And those good nuggets, those are, that's the gold. That's the sweet spot of life. And you have to look for them and hunt them like you're on a treasure hunt because they're so beautiful to have and to see. And I look back now because there were times where I was in, I was, you know, it was so bad. I was just like, God, why did you leave me here? Why didn't you just let me die in that car? And now I'm looking back 15 years later and I've seen my daughter get married. I've seen my son get married. I've seen my other daughter get married. I've, I've watched them walk down the aisle, walk one of my daughters down the aisle. I've, I've seen, I, I have two granddaughters. Those are things I would have missed. Don't ever mm-hmm. wish away because of the pain you're in right now. Don't wish away tomorrow. Because there is beauty and joy in the morning. You know, it yeah. comes, joy comes in the morning. And so yeah. you just have to keep getting up. It doesn't necessarily say tomorrow morning. It might be a few years or, or down the road, but it, joy is going to come. And that's what the conference that I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking about how to count it all joy, even when it's not. Well, Elizabeth, we are down to four minutes into today's show. Before you uh, give a final thought, I want you to give your contact information for those that may be um, wanting to follow you or reach out to you. 
how can they get in touch with you? If they can remember my name, they can find me. It's Elizabeth Clamon, C-L-A-M-O-N. I tell people it's like the commercial clap on, clap off. Well, it's clam on, clam on, clam off. It's clam on. So it's C-L-A-M-O-N. <laughs> and so they can find me. My website is ElizabethClamon.com. My email is Elizabeth at ElizabethClamon.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those under Elizabeth Clamon. So if you type in Elizabeth Clam, you can even Google me. I'm on there too. <laughs> Fabulous. You, to, you might have to scroll down some because I'm not, I'm not at the top yet. <laughs> not yet. I love that expectation though. That's pretty fabulous. Yes. I'm not there <laughs> yet, but I'm going to get there. <laughs> so you've done a lot of work. You've, um, you know, gone through your own challenges in life. You've overcome those. You're paying it forward. Um, and, and you have so much joy. We were just wrapping up with joy comes in the morning. Obviously, it's morning for you. What do you do for fun? What do you do to unwind when you're not serving others? Are you going to, you're, you're going to, okay, you're sitting down. Everybody's sitting down. I am sitting, yes, I am sitting down. I ride a motorcycle. What? <laughs> I love it. I love it. The wind in my hair, the loud pipes. Oh, the, my God. The, the motorcycle. Um, my husband and I ride together and we love to go over to the Smoky Mountains. We live in North Carolina and we love to take a ride over to the, to the Smoky Mountains and just ride what? those trees and the mountains and the cool air. And I just love it. And, um, and oh my God, I know. that's fabulous. <laughs> like you make me want to do that. I like being adventurous now, oh, but well, I didn't. I could balance it. How is balancing the motorcycle? Um, it, it takes practice. You just start with a little motorcycle and, and you, you just ride around your neighborhood or parking lot and you start out small and you build up right. just like everything else. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. That is perfect. Yes. What? So that's what I do. And I love to read and, and I write and I, 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 um, you know, I, I like to cook um, Cajun food and Southern food. And so yeah. I, I, and I love people. I'm an extreme extrovert. So if you give me a chance to get out and be with people and socialize, I'm all about it. I'm there. Oh, fabulous. Oh, it's been such a pleasure to have you on today and serving this great audience. What last words would you leave with us today, Elizabeth? I think I, I my words I want to leave with you is, um, don't forget to look for the treasures. Don't forget as you go, as you're going through your daily routine, look for those nuggets of, of the goodness in life because it's all around you. And even mm -hmm. in the bad stuff, it might not be, you might not see good coming out of it right now, but trust me, when you come through it, it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be, it's going to be so um, amazing to look back and to see those nuggets and, and to know that, that, you know, you were changed. I, my life is forever changed, but it's yeah. for the better because I choose for it to be better. So that is beautiful. Yeah. Is, so it's your choice. You get to choose every day and, and look for the, look for the nuggets in life. Look for the good stuff. 
But thank you so much for being my special guest on Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I would just echo her and say, yeah, if you're going through, don't stop. You're coming out of this. Yeah. So the only way through is to get out. The way the only way out, excuse me, is through. Yeah. And you're going to come out of this better than you can even imagine. So we're, we're rooting for you, Savannah. We're rooting for you all the listeners of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. That's our time for today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on again, Elizabeth. And uh, I look forward to learning how to ride a motorcycle. I think you have just inspired me. That is fabulous. Yes, yes. So you go, girl. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. It's been another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. I want to remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the preceding program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its license holder, or its staff. And until next Thursday, Savannah, take care. Smooches!